You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Ticket. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to our C2E2 special. Uh, back in December, we had the opportunity to cover C2E2, or Chicago Comics and Entertainment Expo, uh, where we got to talk to a bunch of people creating awesome things. Uh, if you've never been to C2E2, there's nothing quite like it. <clears throat> uh, before we get started, I would like to apologize to not only the rest of the Geek Awakens, uh, the awesome creators that you're about to hear, um, as well as to you, uh, for the delay in getting this published, uh, between the holidays and other personal things, uh, this just kept getting put onto the, uh, the back burner. But, uh, enough about that. Let's listen to some awesome interviews. Uh, so our weekend started Thursday with a pair, uh, with a pair of interviews. The first was with Gabe Yoakum. He's in charge of exhibitor space on the show floor, not just for C2E2, but also Emerald City Comic Con, New York Comic Con, um, among others. Check out this interview to hear about his favorite C2E2 memory, as well as the troubles of putting together a con during COVID. So I'm here with Gabe Yoakum, who is the sales executive uh, for digital and events for not just C2E2, but also New York Comic Con, Emerald City Comic Con. Uh, spout 7,000 other Comic-Cons? Just shy of 32,000. Yeah. <laughs> At least it feels that way in December of 2021. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so give us a little rundown of your job duties. Uh, if you've ever been on a show floor uh, at any of those shows and you see the exhibitors that are there, I'm responsible for getting them all here. Uh, so essentially, it's a it's a sales cycle. They, they purchase booth space uh, and, you know... I take their money for it. Uh, but es essentially, it's like putting together a giant jigsaw puzzle, right? So this guy needs 300 square feet. That guy needs 600. This guy is selling pops. That guy's selling clothes. How do we put it together so that it flows in a relatively reasonable way, looks good, is fun to walk through, all of that stuff. So that's that's my day-to-day. -day. Nice. And how long have you been doing this? Five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I started with C2E2. Uh, back in 2018. Uh, 2018 was my first C2E2 running the show. I've been with the company since 2017. And um, and then in 2020, uh, I took over the other three domestic shows and two in the UK as well. Nice. So it's actually just six, not 32,000. <laughs> we rounded up. It's okay. So obviously, like, with everything, these last couple of years have been ridiculous. So what kind of challenges has uh, the pandemic brought to preparing for this year's con? It's been interesting, for sure. Um, uh, working with local municipalities and, and different cities and states and, and, and figuring out what's going to make sense for those locales. Um, it's different show to show. So we've got different rules in different different areas that we have to follow and, and make sure that we're keeping our attendees and our exhibitors safe and ourselves safe to some degree as well. So um, it's just like anything with event planning. Like if anybody's ever planned a wedding or uh, planned a party of some kind, like it's the same thing just on a much larger scale with a whole lot more moving pieces. And so it's it's tough 
the, the pandemic brings a lot of challenges, especially considering, you know, this is the first time we've been able to all be together in a relatively safe way in almost two years, right? And so figuring out the best way to do that and ensuring, not just like hoping, but ensuring that everybody is safe, that's that's what is really the most important thing. Um, show floor this year is going to look a little bit different, you know? Aisles are going to be wider, less exhibitors, less attendees, but ultimately the getting back and I'm getting goosebumps talking about it, which goes to show you what a nerd I am about this stuff. But it's like we're back, right? Like this is our show, that giant banner over there in McCormick Place that you can see from here. Like, you know, it, I'm, I'm so stoked that we're actually being able to do it again, you know, because for a while there we really didn't know. So, um, it, it, of course, it brings challenges, but it's, um, it's what we do, you know, and, and we're pretty good at it. Yeah. You mentioned that banner, and, like, when we were pulling in, you know, like, we were going to check into the hotel, like, we all saw it, and, like, I don't know about you guys, but, like, I don't know, like, my heart, like, my heart was happy, you know, like, seeing that, it's like, ah, oh, I'm home, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so, looking forward, can you give us any spoilers for next year's con? It's going to be a hot one. <laughs> Chicago in August is never uh, not sweaty. So uh, every, wear your shorts. Uh, you know, uh, the lake's right there, so you can visit the beach after the show's over. And it's going to be light out when we get out of the building, which is also something that doesn't often happen during the show. Uh, so that's all I've got for you at this point. As we get closer, I might be able to, to, to leak a little more for you. But um, I'm excited for a summer show in Chicago. It's not something we've ever been able to do. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is pretty cool. So what is your personal favorite fandom? This is hard. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm a nerd about a lot of things, as she can attest. Um, my office is a mess um, of, of different stuff. And, and, you know, I'm just going to put myself out there. This is going to sound really weird, but um, it is what it is. Bears and clothes. Um, name it. Uh, Smokey the Bear, the Country Bear Jamboree. Uh, name it. Anthropomorphic animals have a very special place in my heart, and I can't help that. I don't know what to tell you. I promise you it's, it's, it's completely devoid of sexual intention. I just like animals and clothes. I don't know what to tell you, uh, but now, now I'm out there. Now everybody knows it. So you're going to Chuck E. Cheese after this, right? I and oh, come on, animatronics too. Absolutely, <laughs> you throw animatronics on top of it, then it's a party, pal. Let's go. I can't wait to have a kid just for an excuse for a six-five, three hundred fifty-pound man to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Because right now I don't have any. That nobody, nobody's cool with that. <laughs> All right, so last question I have for you. Uh, what has been your favorite celebrity interaction at a con? Um, last year uh, at C2E2, we were able to um, uh, build a really nice relationship that continues with uh, All Elite Wrestling, which um, uh, myself and, and my buddy Chris, we put together, uh, we actually ran a pay-per-view event at the Wintrust Arena here attached on Saturday night of C2E2 last year. Um, uh like I said, we built a really good relationship. After the show was over, um, their uh, business team pulled us backstage and 
um, gave us the the ring used turnbuckles with the C2E2 logo on them. That's so cool. Um, and they had had them signed by the entire roster um, before we even got backstage. So like it, that, uh, it's my most prized possession. Um, it will never be sold. It's the it sits behind my desk at, at home. But that's by far the coolest thing that's that's happened to me in and around a convention, with one very important exception. But you know, uh, other people will talk about that. I'm sure. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Gabe, I know that these past few months and especially this weekend have been very busy for you. Uh, I cannot thank you enough for taking a few minutes out of your time to come and talk to us. Uh, have a great con. Appreciate it. You guys, too. I hope you have a good time. Thanks. Next up is Jamie Yoakum, uh, contracted crew member for C2E2. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, uh, that's because she and Gabe are actually newlyweds. Uh, so... Tabitha talked to Jamie about how she got involved with being crew for something like C2E2, as well as a heartwarming story about her favorite cosplay. So I'm here at C2E2 with Jamie Yoakum, contracted crew member and professional librarian. How did you get involved with C2E2? Well, hello. Um, so I've been involved with C2E2 since 2013. Um, I came with a friend, I actually, we both worked at Best Buy together and she was like, Hey, I just went to this comic convention and it was really fun in New York, but I want to go to this one in Chicago. Hey, do you want to come with me? Well, like we worked at Best Buy and I wasn't a very good saver. So I was like, yeah, I would love to come with you. Is there a way to get free badges though? Or like a free way to get in? Um, and so I looked on their website and there was like, Oh, you can get on crew, you can work, and you can get paid, and you get a free badge. And I was like, oh, ding, 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 that's the winner. <laughs> um, so that's basically how it happened. And I and I started off doing, like, just basic line management, and they have a thing called spare board, which is, like, a little bit of everything. I used to, like, hand out lanyards. Um, and then one year I was put in panels, um, and at, at first I kind of hated it. Because uh, all you do is sit there, but you learn to love the people and you learn to love the position. And then eventually I was promoted to area manager. And so now I run all the crew up there and it's super fun. So your main duties for the position are basically sheep herding your crew? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they, they are, they're pretty self-sufficient, honestly. So it's basically the crew and panels basically just sit at the door, count the people, make sure the lines are okay. And I just make sure, because sometimes there's new crew and they don't know how to line manage. So I basically help them out and make sure they get breaks, make sure they have enough water, um, you know, just make sure they're taking care of themselves um, and managing lines, at, you know, answering questions and stuff like that. Yeah. Cool. So you're doing these panels, you're standing there, you're handling all these lines, you're seeing all these people come in. What is the coolest cosplay you have ever seen? So cool is like a very... Subjective term? Subjective term, yep. yes. <laughs> so there's this one that I see every single year, like probably as long... I, I don't remember, 2013? Like so long ago, I have a very bad memory. So it was like 2015 maybe. Mm -hmm. And there's this mom and this little kid that comes in and she's dressed as Lilo and he's dressed as Stitch. And the first year I saw them, he was like in a little baby carrier. And every year they come back and dress up as the same thing. And oh my God, like I saw him in 2020 and he was like a full blown toddler. And I'm like, I feel like I know you. Like I've never introduced <laughs> myself. I'm like, oh, I love your cosplay. And in my brain, I'm like, oh, my God, he's gotten so big, you know, like, but she doesn't know me. So the, but they just happen like 
she goes up there to get quiet time. And like on the fifth floor, this year we do have panels up there. But in prior years, um, we didn't used to have panels up there. So she would go up there and run around with him or whatever. And it's just it's just the cutest little thing. And I hope I see her this year. I don't know if I will because of the pandemic. But that is literally the best cosplay I've ever seen. Just because it's so nice to see... You know, fans come back every year. You're growing up with them and they're growing yeah, up with you. Yeah. yeah. You know, because like, it's just so great. It's so great. Yeah. So you recently got married. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. So what has been more stressful for both of you, planning C2E2 or getting married during a pandemic? For the both of us? Yeah. Um, I would say for him, probably planning C2E2 <laughs> um, because you know, pandemic and the chaos and dealing with everything like, you know, that he's mentioned, but also for me playing the wedding. Cause like, I don't work for read pop, so I don't do any of the planning. I just show up. They say, Oh, you're in panels. Go there. I'm like, all right, see you later. <laughs> you know, that's my job. So, but planning a wedding during a pandemic, we postponed twice. So we got married technically to the government in 2020 of October. We postponed the celebration to May and then Last week, or yeah, last weekend, um, we finally had like our big reception. But even then, like, it was so stressful just because like vendors were dropping out or like we couldn't get them for this day or, you know, different arrangements that had to be made. You know, it was just making sure like everybody felt safe that was coming. Um, And I feel like he dealt with a lot of the same things, you know, in relation to C2E2 that I was dealing with with the wedding. Just like on a, I was dealing with 80 people and he was dealing with, uh, whatever, a hundred thousand people <laughs> that were going to come here. So, you know, stressful for all of us. Um, but we are taking a nice vacation next week. So we are very excited and it is so well-deserved. Where are you going? We're going to Jamaica. Oh yeah. We're going for a whole week. We're going to sandals. We're stoked. Much yeah. different than Chicago in December. Oh yes. Yeah. We, uh, he loves the cold. He loves being cold. He loves the winter. He loves Christmas. I love Christmas. Do not like the winter, hate snow, <laughs> hate taking the dogs out in the snow. So I am stoked. I am very excited about just like laying on a beach with like a personal pizza and like a rum runner. <laughs> yes. The dream. The dream. The dream. It's going to be the best. Yeah. We had a very stressful couple months with planning all like all his conventions plus the wedding. And yeah, you so we're it. very excited. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what is your fandom? So... I have, I feel like I have two main fandoms really. Um, like my number one in my heart will always be Disney. Like that's my like baby will always love Disney. I love going to Disney world. It never gets old for me. I will shell out all of the money to do everything that I want at Disney. But in the last like mm, five or six years or so, super into doctor who I got a TARDIS tattooed on my arm now. I am obsessed with Doctor Who. Like, even for my birthday last year, he got, like, a TARDIS commission, like, a full-size TARDIS that I can walk into that's in our yard. It's, like, probably uh, 13 feet tall, 15 feet tall-ish, yeah, that you can walk into. It's like, going to be, like, a little she-shed eventually, but I am I am obsessed. My favorite Doctor is nine. I feel like every single person here but me is extremely jealous of that, and it's only because I'm on the... <laughs> Who am I on, guys? Anybody remember? Oh, so Eccleston you're very I'm behind. very early. I'm very, very behind. behind. Yeah. I mean, 
it's a very good show. You just gotta even I'm, I just made him watch it when we got together, and it was a little hit. Like he loves it now, but at first he was like, I don't really know because the graphics are terrible because it was made in like 2005 yeah. or 2000. I'm very bad with dates. It was like made when like you know graphics weren't that great. So like the first couple seasons, like I love Eccleston terrible graphics and then like the most recent season with jody i can go on i'm just gonna <laughs> oh love it okay so you you go to all these panels you get to stand in in the room you get to hear them you think you know originally they were kind of boring for you i get that but what is your most memorable moment at a panel that you have ever seen um you know honestly i really i don't even know if it was at c2e2 but at new york comic-con i went to this this panel um, and it was like a bunch of like women, like lady bosses. And it was like so fantastic. Um, it was Jordan Ellis of like Jordan Dene. Okay. Um, who else was there? I think like Jaslyn Stone, who was like an entrepreneur. She does a bunch of stuff. I feel like Robin Warren of Geek Girl Strong went in there. Um, just like a bunch of like lady bosses. And it was like, it was memorable in a way to me that I was like, oh, sh- sh- shit. Things are so easy, like not easy, but like if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like I think about that and I'm like, oh my gosh, they had to work so hard, but look where they are now, Mm -hmm. you know? And it was just so memorable to me me. and like on the days that I'm having hard days, I'm like, all right, you just got to like do something today that's going to push you forward to your goal. And that was kind of like, it really stuck in my brain. And I feel like New York, the last New York I went to was like, it wasn't even this year. Uh, so three years ago, three, four years ago, but it was like such a great panel. So memorable that like the words that they said in that panel just like stuck with me since then. That's super cool. Yeah. Really motivating. Yeah. Yeah. Sober. Yeah. I just, I love self care and like the motivating books that are like, you are badass. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like I need that. Like somebody to tell me that every day in my life. Um, you know, so the panel like really, really helped me like get out of that rut and like push myself forward as like a human. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, we know you're super busy. Yeah. We know you're really tired. Yeah, I'm so You deserve this really long Jamaican vacation. Oh, thank you. Um, so we're going to send you guys on your way and let you have a wonderful con. Perfect. I hope you guys do too. Thank, thank you, you so much. Tabitha actually reached out to Jamie to see if she saw that a adorable Lilo and Stitch cosplay. Um, Unfortunately, she did not see it this year, but here's hoping for next year. So on the second day of C2E2, my podcast gave to me uh, an interview with Tom Rosie and Mike Detterman. Uh, For what it's worth, uh, I wrote that joke, you know, before Christmas, and I still thought it was funny, so I'm leaving it. So Tom and Mike are with the 501st Midwest Garrison. And they talked to us about Behind the Bucket, which is a documentary they put together on the garrison. About midway through, you hear a band welcoming con-goers uh, with music from Star Wars, which was pretty perfect timing. So I am here with Tom Rosie and Mike Detterman, who uh, have a special screening of an uh, awesome, awesome documentary uh, tomorrow. Um, so first off, before we get to that, how's con going for you so far? It's pretty good. I mean, it's nice to be back in, uh, in the swing of things with uh, everything, you know, happening in the world. And so it's nice to see people out and, um, you know, vendors here and everyone just kind of doing their thing. Yeah. I concur. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about uh, your documentary. It's called Behind the Bucket. And then also, like, tell us about the 501st in general. Um, so the documentary kind of came about because I am a 501st member, and so I've been trooping, which is one of the terminologies we use uh, when we go to events. 
uh, for a while. And um, also here in Chicago, the Midwest Garrison, um, as we're known, uh, 501st is the, what the, the club is known worldwide. Um, but we've, uh, we were hitting 20 years of being a garrison. So uh, working with Mike on uh, a feature film, um, I thought, you know, we became friends during the whole process. I thought, how cool would it be to um, do a documentary on the garrison and kind of just help other people explain to them what the garrison is about, what they do, um, and why they do what they do. And actually, that happened right here at this event, C2E2. Um, we were both here because we're both kind of nerdy guys, <laughs> and we love the fandom and the, of all kinds. And uh, we were at one of the after parties in the hotel lobby, and that's where the discussion started. Yeah, and it was, it was funny because I, I, was, I had conversations with Tom because I had no idea what the 501st was. And I said, well, are you guys just a bunch of nerds? You know, and I, I'm a nerd myself that, you know, dressing up and doing things like that. He's like, no, there's so much more than that in the charity aspect. And I was like, wow. And Tom, you know, was talking about like, we could call it Behind the Bucket. Already that night, he was like, that would be a great name. I was like, that would be an awesome name. And then two weeks later, we were starting to film. So how did you first get involved with the 501st? Um, well, I think... Um, actually, I'm going to refer to this event again because, you know, as a child, um, my dad would decide to take me to places, you know, he, not knowing really what things were. But I come from a divorced family, so, um, you know, my dad would pick me up on the weekends and he'd find something for me and my sister to do. And this is one of the things, events like this and take us to comic book shops. So, you know, this is kind of my thing since a child. So and now Star Wars is something I've always loved, obviously. Um, I've had friends tell me, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that you became a stormtrooper. You know, like that doesn't, like I was the kids, you know, you, I, you'd come over to my house and I had Star Wars toys everywhere. But I was buying those toys and, and collecting those things when those things weren't available. I mean, during this whole drought season, you know, years where the movies came out and you never knew about anything ever coming back out except for the books and those kinds of things. So I was going to places like uh, thrift stores and, um, you know, flea markets to, to buy stuff, you know, that I, that I really liked or reminded me of my childhood. So anyways, I think it was a natural progression to find out that there was a club of people dressing up as, you know, characters from the franchise. And I just wanted to know how to get involved. Um, I would see them at the booths here. Uh, I would talk to them, but I didn't really know about the process. And it wasn't until... Uh, my sister actually uh, ended up marrying a 501st member, uh, ironically enough, uh, that I kind of like figured out how it worked. And I was coming to events and I was kind of handling and, and just helping out. Um, and then eventually ordered uh, a kit, which was a costume, and um, worked towards putting that together, getting my approval. And, you know, it went through pretty quickly. Um, I spent a couple of years, you know, handling and helping before I was an actual official member, but I thought, man, if someone else is kind of wondering how to do it, this is a perfect opportunity to, you know, let people know it's, it's obtainable and this is something you can do. How did I become my, the 501st league I had, uh, I become a member. I mean, it was through filming, just, you know, being around them as we were filming this documentary. And then, uh, Tom and the group, and especially Tom, they, um, they, how do, how do I explain that process? Like they, they, uh, they were generous enough. They, they, get, they got me a costume and everything like that. And, you know, Imperial crew. And then I was able to take my photos and become a member. It was, awesome. it was cool. 
So behind the bucket is having, and this is very apropos music right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so behind the bucket is having a special screening here at C2E2 this weekend. Uh, any other chances to see this film? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's gonna be plenty of chances. Uh, so we we submitted the documentary to C2E2 Repop, um, and we only got notification about three weeks ago. So um, we had it pretty much in a bag. But there's in post production. There's obviously like things, color correction and stuff we wanted, and we were planning for the first of the year. So it was a bit of a scramble to to get this up and going. And there's still little tweaks we're gonna have after the screening, but. Um, um, I guess your original question was like, was what? It was uh, what? Uh, any other upcoming chances? To oh see yeah. It? So the, the plan is to have um, it, um, a premiere uh, and then some film festivals and, and those things like that. So that that's my yeah. To see those things up right now. Yeah. There's 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 also there's going to be plenty of opportunities right now. Again, since it was such a scramble to get it for this show, uh, a lot of things got put on the back burner as far as like setting up other locations and you know February. And, uh, January and February are going to be tough months anyways, uh, especially in this area where we could get, you know, 10 feet of snow or, you know, negative, you know, 60. So. <laughs> right. So what's been the most rewarding thing that the 501st has done that you've been a part of? Well, um, I talk about it in the documentary as well, and I think most people are have the same consensus that there's always a moment um, on an event or a troop that... Um, kind of sticks out to you you know it's usually um a cool kid that you meet you know or it, it smiles that you give to someone i mean their parents along with the kids are just as excited to see you and depending on the, the kind of costume you're in um you know some of them lose their minds they're like wow this is so cool to have this character that they've watched on screen in front of you but um i think also it's part of the community um, it's a it's a second family. It's uh, it's like finding your tribe, you know, in, in a sense. So um, just being uh, there at the event with your friends. These might be people that you don't see for a while, you know, or only at these events. But it's 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 really nice to see them. And then you um, you're having fellowship. You're having you know a community. You're having uh, costuming, and you're having your love for this this franchise and the fandom. I would concur. Yeah. I mean, I'm still new, and then all of a sudden the pandemic happens, and so I wasn't able to enjoy a lot of things. So, so I've got one last question for you guys. Um, how can people find uh, your chapter of the 501st, and then what can people do to be a part of it? So if you're local, uh, obviously the Midwest Garrison is one of the websites you would want to check out. Um, check us out. Come, come to these events. Come talk to us. Uh, even if you see us at a parade or any other event, um, feel free to talk to any of us. We're, we're more than happy to let you know whatever you need to know and give you all the information you need to know. Uh, if you want to find us um, look, you know, for the behind the bucket, it's um, uh, social media. This is obviously the biggest platform uh we make announcements on there we post pictures and we do all kinds of things so that would be um you know for instagram behind the bucket doc which is all in word behind the bucket for facebook uh behind bucket for twitter behind the bucket .com. and behind the bucket yeah awesome well tom mike thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us uh yeah, very much looking forward to seeing this, uh, you know, finalizing everything and enjoy the rest of your con. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Next up is Helen from the Science Fiction Outreach Project. Uh, this was a popular spot on the show floor because the Outreach Project was giving away free books. Check out this interview. 
To also hear details about next year's World Science Fiction Convention, uh, which is going to be September 1st through the 5th in Chicago. Matt here from The Geek Awakens with Helen from Science Fiction Outreach Project. Yep. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Good, good. So give us a little bit of an overview of what the Science Fiction Outreach Project is. Sure. So we've been doing this for about 10 years now. Okay. Um... So we know that at comic conventions, there are lovers and readers of science fiction and fantasy. And they know about comic conventions, but they don't necessarily know that there are conventions for those of us who love the books. Okay. Right? And so we had this idea 10 years ago that, um, especially promoting like local conventions that are more literary focused, the World Science Fiction Convention that moves around every year, we said, this is how we find them. We give away books. Right. This is how we find the readers at a Comic-Con and go, hey, if you like Comic-Con, you're probably going to like us, too. (laughs) Um, So that's what we've been doing. We find a comic convention every year um, near where the World Science Fiction Convention will be. And we go there and usually over the course of the weekend, we give away around 5000 books. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Yes. So all the books that you're giving away, where do you get those books? They've all been donated to us for the most part. Okay. Um, So sometimes we have publishers who send us, you know, multiple copies of a book, Um, but we just have people who donate. We have a couple of book drives at some local conventions. People will just ship us boxes of their used books. Um, Half Price Books has been a great donor (laughs) to us in the past. Awesome. Um, So yeah, everything here... um, the only exception is we try to keep books for little kids as well. Mm-hmm. We don't get a lot of those donated, but again, half price books, we go and they give us some or we go to their dollar shelf okay. and find books for little kids. Well, awesome. Because awesome. we're also all about, you know, promoting literacy and reading of the genre. Right. And so we want to start them small. Oh, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> Best way to start them. Um, so the other thing you're doing here, like you said, is promoting right, right now, mm-hmm. Shycon 8, yeah. which is uh, what World Science Fiction Convention? It is the 80th World Science Fiction Convention. Okay. Uh, Worldcon uh, started in 1939. Oh wow! Okay. So this will be the 80th one. Um, they had, took a few years off for World War II, as you did back then. <laughs> uh, but now, you know, we've been back since, and we have been every year, and we move around. Okay. So um, it's usually in August or September. Mm-hmm. This year, though, because of COVID, um, actually, this year's Worldcon is in Washington, D.C., and it starts next week, Oh, uh, which is kind of unusual. Um, but we've been, in the last 10 years, we've been to Dublin, Ireland. Um, we would have been in New Zealand last year, but for COVID. Wow. We've been in, you know, Kansas City and Texas and Washington State and California and all over. Oh, my. Everywhere. Um, yeah. So it moves around every year, um, uh, which is which is really cool. Uh, and those of us that go, we love it. So, so I see on the board. Yes. We've got quite a few guests. We do. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about some of those or if there's yeah. any others that maybe you could tease? Oh, I don't know if I can tease anybody yet. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So we have our author guest of honor is Charles DeLint. Um, he's often known as sort of the the starter of urban fantasy okay. in the sense of um, like elves in urban, urban areas, right? And then a lot of the other urban fantasy has grown from that. Okay. Um, he is also a musician um, and he's our author guest of honor. The artist is Floyd Norman. Uh, Floyd Norman was the first African-American animator at Disney back in the 1950s. Oh, wow. Uh, so his first movie for Disney was Sleeping Beauty. Okay. Um, 
He's also done um, uh, vignette films is something he started with a friend of his. They do also like African-American documentary things they've done. They do a bunch of stuff for kids. Um, and he's just amazing. <laughs> um, then we have fan guests of honor who are Joseph Clary and Edie Stern. They've been in fandom for years and years. Uh, one of the things that Worldcon does, which is really cool, is we don't honor just artists and authors. We honor the fans who help put these things together, right? Because other, none of us get paid to do this, right? It's, it's all a labor of love. So we want to try to honor people who've been doing it for a while. Um, Joe and Edie run FANAC, F-A-N-A-C dot org. Okay. Which is a huge fanish uh, historical archive. Um, so if you want to see program books from the 1950s, they've got them online. If oh, you wow. want, they do interviews with people. They do all kinds of fanish history stuff. Awesome. Um, Earl Korshak um, is our other guest of honor. He was one of the, uh, he attended the very first Worldcon in 1939. And he and his friend Mark Reinsberg started, uh, made, made the decision, and they came and they did the very first Chicago Worldcon in 1940. Okay. Uh, and so we were honoring Earl. Now, Earl just passed away at the age of 98 this past August. Oh. Uh, but we're still working with his family and still honoring him because without him, the Worldcon in New York might have been a one-time thing. Right? Yeah. So we wanted to do that. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. And then we've got our Toastmasters, uh, Charlie Jane Anders and Annalie Newitz. Uh, many people know them from their work on io9, okay. the website, mm -hmm. um, as well as being Hugo Award winning authors and podcasts, casters. Uh, and then we just announced in November our featured guests. Um, we wanted our featured guests to be more like up and coming, representative of Chicago groups from who have historically been marginalized, etc. Um, so we have Eric Wilkerson, who is a um, illustrator uh, who's worked for a bazillion people as well as doing his own work. Uh, Jean Ha, who's actually here this weekend, uh, who does comics. And Dr. Eve L. Ewing, who is a sociology professor down at the University of Chicago. Okay. Um, she's also worked on some Marvel comics, the Ironheart series. Yep. Um, and just recently this year, she released her first children's book called Maya and the Robot. Oh, um, awesome. Which is delightful. And honestly, if you have a middle grade reader, it should be on your, <laughs> your holiday gift list for them. It's great. Uh, so, yeah, those those are our main guests. That's, that's awesome. We're super excited to have them. Um, can you tell us how much tickets are and when they are available? Yeah. So uh, we sell memberships to folks. Um, we don't call them tickets. They are memberships. Okay. Um, because there are things that come with a membership that you get to do. So, for example, um, and if, we're, uh, if you're familiar with the Hugo Awards. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. so the Hugo Awards for Science Fiction are nominated and voted on by members of Worldcon. And then the awards ceremony is held at Worldcon. Mm -hmm. Okay, so as a member, you get those rights. Oh, okay. okay. So it's not like you just pay for a a ticket and show up, mm -hmm. you're actually part of the community, right? That's awesome. We also, though, have a couple of things. We have an installment plan, right? So you can pay it off over time. And we have something that's called the First Attending Worldcon Membership. Okay. Um, so if you have never been to a Worldcon in person, and we say in person because there's now been two, like, virtual versions. <laughs> <laughs> if you've never been to a Worldcon in person, you can do the First Attending Worldcon rate which is $110 for all five days. Okay. 
Um, and unlike a Comic-Con, everything's basically included in that, right? Like, you don't have to pay to go get somebody's autograph. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. You just go get their autograph, right? Oh, that's fantastic. Um, we have programming for kids, and we have lower rates for YA and kids um, and teenagers. Um, yeah, it's just, it's five days of amazing things. We have hundreds of program items. We, uh, with, with lots of panelists on everything from art and, uh, authors and scientists. And we have a masquerade. We have the Hugo Awards. We have gaming. We have costume related stuff. We have anime related stuff. We have everything. Um, everything. It's awesome. just, it's, it's wonderful. That's fantastic. <laughs> Well, awesome. Thank you for taking time to talk to us. Absolutely. And just so that our listeners can find out more about the Science Fiction Outreach Project and ShyCon, yes. uh, where can we find you online and in social medias? Sure. I'm going to read the website because I'm terrible. <laughs> so for the Science Fiction Outreach Project, we are a 501c3. We will accept both cash donations as well as donations of books. We're SFOP, Science Fiction Outreach Project, mm -hmm. at word, .wordpress.com. Okay. And we're on Facebook at Science Fiction Outreach Project USA. Awesome. Um, and you can actually donate straight through Facebook for oh, that. Excellent. For the WorldCon, um, we are shycon.org, C-H-I-C-O-N.org. Um, and then for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we are at Chicago WorldCon. All right. And you can find everything you need to know there. Well, fantastic. Thank you very much for taking time to talk to us. Thank you. And I, I don't know. I'm excited about Shycon, that we're sounds awesome. We're excited too, and we're looking to have a space for podcasters okay. that you can uh, podcast live from the con as well. Hey, all just, right, just saying, something to think about. <laughs> well, all thank right. you again. Thank you. For the past couple of years, C2E2 has also held uh, escape rooms. Uh, we put ourselves and our friendships to the test in detention escape from the cursed high school. Check out this segment to see how we did. Uh, it was also a running joke that weekend uh, to come up with new podcasts, and you hear a couple of them here. Let us know if you want to see any of these brought to life. So our guests for right now are ourselves. We're guesting ourselves. Don't say that ever again. <laughs> so this is the before uh, for our escape room challenge. Um, we are doing, it's, the, it's a detention-themed um, Lydia's pulling it up right now. Okay, so you and your classmates are sentenced to detention. But things go from bad to much worse when you find yourselves trapped in a haunted classroom by a tortured spirit. One way out, solve the riddles within 45 minutes to free the ghost or remain in detention for eternity. Ooh, yeah. I like you guys, but eternity is a long time. <laughs> we have chargers and Wi-Fi. That's all I need to know. I'm going to need a pillow at yeah. some point. <laughs> so we've got 45 minutes to do this. Um, let's go around and um, are we going to do it? And if so, how long? Um, Matt? Uh, very oddly specifically, I'm going to say 38 minutes for success. All right. Tabitha? I'm going to say 38. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm going to say... It, we're probably going to take the whole time and we're going to panic right at the end and it's going the panic is what's going to get us out. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we're going to like go right up to the end. So I'm going to say like 43 and a half. Um, at first, I thought we had a whole hour and I thought that we could make it in the whole hour. Now that I know that we only have 45 minutes, um, I still believe in us. 
but I'm panicking? I'm already panicking. <laughs> um, but I think we can do it with five minutes to spare. Pick it. Um, listen, I think in five minutes uh, we will have figured it out. No, uh, uh, yeah, I think we're going to go right up to the very end on this one. I think, uh, like it's been mentioned before, it's going to be that panic right at the end that really gets things going. Yeah. We are the last-minute podcast. Honestly, we should change our name. Yeah, so. you're right. <laughs> oh, another yeah, podcast another idea. Podcast. Write it down. <laughs> Who is going to be MVP for this escape room? Uh, we'll go around the other way. Pick it. We'll start with you. Listen... I'm going to throw this one out to Tabitha because I feel like she's going to be like, hey, you guys need to do this and this and this. And that's just Tabitha taking over. Um, my vote is actually it's not any of us right here. Uh, it's our cameraman, not mm-hmm. Seth. I think he is going to be very, uh, very analytical. I think he's going to get it done and uh, and yell at us and tell us what we need to do. Lydia. I, I kind of have to agree with you. I think it's going to be it's going to be not Seth. Tabitha. Yeah, not Seth and I are very similar, but where I am pushy bossy, you want to ignore me because you just want to make me mad. You really just want to make not Seth happy because you want him to like you. So I'm going to go with him. Matt. Um, I mean, Tabitha is very organized. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you want to explain to us what that means to you? No. Okay. Um, I, I think it could be a two way tie between not Seth and Tabitha for, uh, for this. So, <laughs> all right, guys, we've got T minus 12 minutes before the escape room starts and we need to be there a few minutes early. Um, any final thoughts before we go into this? And like I had mentioned beforehand, um, you know, the, this could spell the end of the Geek Awakens, but we all ate lunch beforehand. So we're not nobody's going to be hangry. Mm-hmm. That's not going to affect anything. Um, and who knows, maybe a, uh, after lunch poo might make us have to like get out of there a little bit quicker. I can't spend eternity here. I'm leaving now. I'm not doing the escape room. I want my $20 back. <laughs> All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. All right, guys. So we just finished the escape room. Um, happy to report. We literally just barely made it. Um, yeah, so like we took almost exactly the 45 minutes. Um, what did everybody think? Matt? Um, it was interesting. Some Definitely some complicated puzzles and one apparently uh, red herring. Um, Lydia? It was a lot of fun. Um, this is going to sound horrible, but I think we would have done better had it just been us. We had a couple uh, of other people in there with us, and I think we were kind of, like, stumbling over each other. Like, our groups were, like, just, like, tripping over each other. Um, but I, th- I thought we did pretty good overall, though. Pick it. You know, I was actually really impressed by it. Uh, I, I, I kind of went into it not expecting much, and I had a lot of fun with it. Tabitha. Yeah, for being something that they just had to, like, kind of quickly set up in a room here at C2E2, I was also impressed. I agree with Lydia, though. Like... It's one of those things where there are just almost too many cooks in the kitchen. And we were just kind of screaming numbers at each other at one point, And I'm like, who even knows what's happening? Um, right? It's one of those things where you give two people a puzzle and only one person figures it out. And the other person's kind of just there for moral support. So not that we all didn't do our part, but you know what I mean. So before we go to the MVP, let's go to the LVP. Is that a thing? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to start... Um, because I feel like I was the least valuable player. I spent the majority of the time working on the red herring. Mm. 
I basically did nothing. Um, Tabitha, what are your thoughts? Uh, I was assisting you with your red herring. Oh, that's our new podcast, Mitch and Tabitha and the Red Herring. Um, also a boxcar children book. Um, <laughs> I, I don't feel like anybody in there out of our group was useless. I feel like we all contributed. We were all working on separate projects. There was no way for us to know that we were working on the Red Herring. Um, just like, I mean, it could have been the things everybody else was working on. So, Matt. Um, and this is just who I am, but I felt like it was me because the lock that we got, uh, we got one lock accidentally based on the numbers that I came up with. And the lock that we scrambled to get at the very end was the puzzle that I'd been working on. So I somehow gave the wrong numbers, but we still got a lock open. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Maybe you're psychic. And you just like don't know it. I mean, maybe. Uh, Lydia, who do you think was the least valuable player? Uh, I don't know, because I kind of was, like, hyper-focusing. I know me and Pickett worked on a lot of stuff together, so, like, I honestly didn't notice where you three were a lot of the time. Yeah. And he's like, who are you people? <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, there's other people helping me here? Uh, wait, what? Uh, but no, I, I think we, like, all did a decent part. But, like, yeah, you and Tabitha were working on the one puzzle, and then Matt was working on the other. So, I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer, guys. Pickett. I'm going to say the baby. Oh, that's a good point. You're right. That baby did nothing. Literally didn't even carry his own weight. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing, and I'm not, I don't want to spoil the the thing at all um, in case, you know, you guys are watching this and you decide to do this same escape room. Um, I feel bad. I like decimated that skeleton. <laughs> decimated you violated that skeleton. That thing. For nothing. For absolutely nothing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, so who was the MVP? Um, Lydia, you're holding the microphone. We'll start with you. Uh, I don't know. Who got the most locks open? That's a good question. I know. I mean, I feel like... I I know, like, I assisted in a lot of other places, but I didn't open a single lock myself. Okay, well, this is going to sound, like, really, really wrong, but... I, I got like two or three by myself, so. That's fair. That's fair. Tabitha. Um, it was the guy who was giving us hints toward the end because he felt friggin' sorry for us that we were all so close. And or it was the girl in there. Like, she was just sitting in front of that thing like, boop, 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 yep. Boop, 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 yep. Boop, 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 yep. And I think it was like her, like, like she was listening to all of us. I don't know if it was because she had the baby in the room. It was just like, I got to block out the baby for a second, guys. So, I don't know. I think it was her. We should have gotten her opinion. Matt. Um, her husband was also super helpful. Um, he was the one that had any clue what was going on with the Pokemon game and figuring out <laughs> which, like, the correspondence between the picture on the lock and the puzzle. Like, the like this puzzle went with this Pokemon, this puzzle went with this Pokemon. That was super helpful to figure out. So, I, I don't know that he got any of the codes, but you know, at least knowing which codes went with which lock was quite helpful yeah uh i'm gonna have to echo you tabitha the uh, the wife yeah she was kind of like everywhere and yeah and i'm on top of it um but yeah but you know i i will say though like uh you know not seth like your uh your key like combination thing right at the very end i mean yeah. any, anybody else saved it 
Anybody else? I don't think we would have done it. Pick it. Um, from our group, I will say Lydia. She opened the most locks. Uh, I will say, though, Matt was was frantically working on that puzzle and, as far as we were aware, figured it out fairly quickly. <laughs> so there's that. Just so. figured out the wrong puzzle quickly. I mean, <laughs> on brand. <laughs> so... Matt's name in the group chat is now Bob Ross. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. So, all right. Um, let's go ahead and end this here. Um, I know, Matt, you've got a panel you need to get to. Yep. Um, I've got a panel coming up that I want to get to. So, yeah. Um, good job, everybody. I'm proud of us. Yay, us. Woo. Situ2 brings in tattoo artists from all over the country for people who want to bring home an extra special souvenir. I had talked for years about uh, doing this, and this year I took the plunge. After checking out the tattoo artists, uh, I decided on Mikey Brown from Rose City Tattoo in Springfield, Ohio. Uh, while you're listening to this interview, check out our Instagram uh, at the Geek Awakens Podcast to see my finished tattoo, as well as uh, Mikey Brown tattoo to see more of Mikey's work. Uh, Lydia here with Mikey Brown, who is actually about to tat up our very own Mitch. He is uh, psyching himself up right now. I think he's getting a little nervous. He won't say it, though. A um, couple questions for you before you get started, though. Um, how long have you been a tattoo artist? I'm getting ready to hit my 10th year, actually. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Uh, what uh, what got you into uh, the art of tattooing? Uh, I, I kind of started out um, wanting to do comics, and then I soon realized comic drawing comics is very hard. <laughs> But I always had, like, in the back of my mind to do this. Uh, and, like, way back in the day, I had friends. They kind of made me, like, the really bad um, prison-style tattoo machines and stuff. And, like, I was terrible. But, you know, I, it, it gave me the idea. Like, you know, maybe if I could figure this out, this might be cool. Yeah, I so, so, yeah, eventually, I, you know, I, I quit my factory job. And I just told myself, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. So... That's really cool. Yeah. I, I like how we go from uh, comic books are hard to I'm going to tattoo skin. <laughs> hey, it's 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 crazy, but yeah. Uh, what's one of your favorite or weirdest tattoos that you've ever done? I do a lot of realism. Uh, I would probably say I did like a color portrait of the Incredible Hulk once, and I'm a you know I'm a big Marvel fan, so yeah, that was really cool to do. I actually did the weirdest one I've ever did. I did a realistic poop emoji on this guy's butt. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, that is Yes, it was that is amazing. it was it was done, <laughs> one of his friends dared him to do it. So Can't back down from a dare. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for talking to us. Yeah, um, no before problem. we get uh, over with uh, where can people find your art slash where are you located when you're not hanging out at a con? <laughs> I am located in Springfield, Ohio. I own, I own Rose City Tattoo. Uh, I've, you know, I've been open, I think, right around seven years, I'd say. You could go to Instagram. Uh, it's Mikey Brown Tattoo. It's really simple. Or you can just look up Rose City Tattoo on any of the social media platforms. Cool. Well, thanks for talking to me. Yep. Uh, be gentle on Mitch. <laughs> He's a newbie. <laughs> He'll be okay. I'll get him through it. He'll be fine. All right. Thanks. Next up, Pickett chatted with Daniel from Tea and Absinthe. Uh, These tea makers were constantly busy all weekend. Uh, I believe I'm the only person in our group uh, to not get any tea from these guys. 
that weekend. But I did end up getting a sampler pack for Christmas. Uh, there is an echo that does eventually go away, uh, but don't let that detract you from this fun, fun interview. Hey, what's going on, guys? Pickett here with the Geek Awakens, and I am here with Daniel from Tea and Absinthe. How do you do? Uh, how are you today? I'm doing great. Yourself? I'm awesome. How has your weekend been? I love Chicago. This uh, is always a great show. People here are wonderful. You know, what, what more can you ask for? Exactly. So. We're going to talk about your guys' stuff here. First and foremost, um, I tried some of your tea. Uh, I tried what was called TVA, uh, which, for those of you who are Loki fans, you'll understand is, uh, well, I guess I should really get into what you guys do first. So these guys make tea that is uh, flavored by fandom, essentially. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we uh, thought a while ago that we would bring loose leaf tea into conventions and fandom, and since we're big fans, we thought it'd be fun to get our flavors connected to our various fandoms. So we have a collection based on Doctor Who, a collection based on a famous wizarding school, you know, lots of fun stuff like that, and uh, more recently, one based on Loki. Yes, and that's the one I tried this morning, and I gotta tell you guys, I'm, I'm not a warm drink fan, but there is no other way I think I could drink that, because it was amazing. It was so good. Um, you, he and uh, Daniel and I were talking just before this, and uh, we mentioned that uh, he. I was like, I can't really explain how how it makes me feel, and he goes, Well, somebody explained it once to me as licking the walls of the TVA, but in a good way, and I'm going to go with that. So, um, the the basis of it, because it's a Loki themed tea, is it's a green tea with golden accents from tropical fruits, but the thing that makes it taste like it's from an alternate timeline and different from other teas, is the addition of moringa leaves, which are really savory. Okay. So you've got the sweetness and the tartness from the, from the fruits, you've got the flavors from the tea, and then you've got the, uh, the moringa bringing this odd savoriness, like hits all those umame buttons. Yes. So it's a really round kind of, like the color of shining light through a piece of amber. Exactly. That, that's, that's how it tastes. Yes. And, and I'm telling you guys, you'll have to try that because he's not wrong how he's describing it. It might sound weird, but I'm telling you, it's real. Um, so... Can you tell us a little bit what your process is like? Is there like a method to picking your flavors or your fandom for that matter? Well, I mean, our, our fandoms grow mostly organically. Of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I've, I've been watching Doctor Who since I was yay big. And, you know, we've been following the MCU all along. So when it came time for the Loki series and it turned out to be as beautifully weird as it was, it's really inspiring. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but as far as the flavors go, um, yeah, we... When we're coming up with flavors for something, like, for example, our, our uh, Wizard House teas, they, the flavors have to not only work individually for each thing, they also have to work as a combination. Right. So there were sometimes we, we thought we had the right tea, and then we looked at the other ones and we thought, no, it's too similar. So you got to start from scratch again. And well, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people who've made, like, various types of things, and, and they kind of taste similar. Everything kind of tastes... Uh, this is good. It's, it's, it's like the other thing, though. So, but um, you know, the two teas we had this morning were vastly different. Uh, and that's, I think, what I'm most excited about, because I love tea and I love the different options. Um, so uh, now what is your favorite tea? So the tea that I've been drinking the most of recently, and it's really hard to pick a favorite, because, I mean, oh, I sure. drink a lot of tea. <laughs> but the one I've been doing for breakfast pretty much every day is the Road So Far. Okay, so Supernatural. Super right. Yeah. So the, uh, the pr flavor profile we went through that, is um, blackberry maple Ooh. because since the boys are always eating at diners 
you know, okay. between, you know, waffles and pie. That was kind of the flavor element. But we didn't want it to be so sweet and cloying because it's supernatural. There's a darkness to it. Okay. So we, um, with the addition of blackberry leaves and, and the, the nice rich black tea, you've got an underlying darkness and earthiness that, that really brings it all together and doesn't leave it too sweet. That's so cool. So I already know the next tea I'm buying. Um, now, do you have any future teas that are in development maybe you can tell us about? Well, I, I am working on the, uh, the Avatar collection. Oh. And uh, people keep asking me about Uncle Iroh's blend, and that is not going to be part of the main four. That's going to be a little off to the side. Okay, okay. Because he, he is such an exceptional character. He, he doesn't really fit the mold of the, the stereotypes. Fair enough. Okay, well, that'll be really exciting. Um, uh, I'm seeing what you've done so far. I'm really excited what you're going to do with that. Uh, so that despite the fact that your name is T and Absinthe, you don't actually sell absinthe. Um, however, you can find absinthe supplies here. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about those. So, um, one of the reasons we're called tea and absinthe is, well, we started off in the steampunk scene when we uh, switched our business to tea. And we were thinking, how do people enjoy themselves in the Victorian era? And, you know, I mean, there's, there's lots of ways people do, but we kind of distilled it down to two beverages that both take time and ritual. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, with tea, you have to, you know, sit there and let it brew. You can't just, you know, throw it into a cup and you're done. Right. And likewise with absinthe. Well, yeah, there's a whole you know, process there. Yeah. Uh, so many people have come into the booth and said, you know, somebody gave me a shot glass full of absinthe once. It was terrible. Yeah. If somebody gives <laughs> you a spoonful of coffee grounds, <laughs> you're not going to have the best coffee experience. Exactly. You, you need the water. You need the time. Right. And uh, so that, that kind of a... Uh, you know, stepping back from from doing everything right now and, and waiting and enjoying the experience. So that that's where the absinthe comes in. And I love that. Also, because it was the Victorian era, they have uh, lots of fun spoons and glassware and utensils and all these toys that go along with it, which whether or not you like the drink, they're beautiful. Yes. Yeah, and that was... A lot of the stuff I've seen here at your shop is just really nice. Thank you. Like, aside from the fact that you're going to use it to make tea or, or to, to, to make your absinthe, uh, it just looks cool. It's stuff you want to leave out, uh, not put away. Uh, so that's one thing. Now, where can people find you online? Well, teaandabsinthe.com. Of course. All spelled out. And uh, our socials are all pretty much that, just tea and absinthe, but oh, without perfect. spaces. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. So, tea and absinthe, you guys can find them all over the place, but especially on their website. Now, you guys sell tea on your website. You sell mm -hmm. all your products on your website, right? Yeah. Although, occasionally, especially right now. Of course. Since we've been doing shows on the road so long, some of the stuff is here. Okay. And not on the website until we get back home. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, now listen, I've had a blast talking to you. Uh, I've also had a blast trying your tea because it's awesome. Um, thank you so much for taking the time oh, uh, to talk with us today. Uh, Quite welcome. Thank you for coming in trying our delicious teas. Uh, and it is delicious. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. On the last day of the con, Matt spoke with Jared from Reppin Pins. Uh, these guys have a ton of pin designs, uh, many Chicago-based, uh, so there's something for just about everyone, uh, including a Malort pin. If you've never had Malort, A, I'm happy for you, and B, I owe you a shot sometime. Geek Awakens here with Jared from Reppin' Pins. Yes, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Can't good. complain. Yeah. Had a good con so far? Oh, uh, yeah. It was amazing. Yesterday was insane. Yeah. There was a lot of people, very busy, hectic, very hectic. Yeah. But that's good for you, though, right? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> it gives us lots of business. Excellent. Excellent. 
So you do some amazing pins. Thank you. I really um, appreciate it. How long have you been doing pins and doing this? So originally, this was uh, our cousin Francis. Okay. This was his company. He started a few years ago. The idea for the company came from when he went to the Chicago Renegade Arts and Crafts Fair. And he, he walked around, he saw everybody's arts and crafts, and he was just inspired. Nice. So then he, he thought of something he could do, like what he could do and make his own. And he always thought pins. So uh. then the very next year, he launched Repin Pins. But as of recently, he had a baby. And uh, I've been basically <laughs> running the show behind the scenes for the last, like, almost couple months. Okay. All right. Well, it's... It, so it's kind of a family business. That's kind of a family, yeah, pretty nice, much a family nice business. Nice to be able to do that, keep oh, things yeah. going. Uh -huh. so, of course. Um, so you guys design the pins? We do. Uh, other, we do do collabs with okay. other like local artists. Nice. But for the most part, we uh, he's a graphic designer. We do design them all by ourselves. Okay. Yeah. So is there a favorite that either you or he have designed? Oh, I do. We actually sold out of it. It was a golden pair of uh, Jordan 1s. Oh. One of my favorite. Definitely hot in Chicago, that's oh, for yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, really don't have much else. This is fantastic. These are awesome pins. Thank you. Thank you. Really uh, appreciate some it. Awesome designs. Um, but for our listeners, um, can you tell us, tell them where we can find you on social media? So you guys can find us on Instagram at Reppin Pins. And we just recently started a Discord server. So you can join. The Discord server link is in our bio on Instagram. But other than that, that's about it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking thank a few you. minutes to talk to us. Yeah. And uh, glad to see you here and hope to see you next year. Thank you. If you know anything about Lydia, it should be that she is obsessed with Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. Uh, so it was no question that she would that she would interview Jonathan Hallett of Stitch Tunes. Uh, Stitch Tunes creates mashups of Stitch and just about any other fandom you can find. Uh, Lydia also won our C2E2 long contest of cosplay sightings. She's picked Spider-Man as the cosplay we'd see most of. Uh, I planned on buying her a Stitch Tune print with Stitch as Spidey until I saw Stitch as Gadget from Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, which was a callback to a group cosplay we did in 2020. All right, Lydia here from Geek Awakens talking to Jonathan Hallett of Stitch Tunes. So, how's your morning going? How's your con been? It's been great. It's been great. I've been running into a lot of people, a lot of past uh, customers from this show and other shows all around the country that I do. So, it's been really wonderful. It's good to be here. Awesome. <laughs> So um, tell us a little bit about what you do and uh, how long you've been doing it for. Well, I started Stitch Tunes. It's a mashup of Stitch as dressed as many, many other characters. <laughs> I've got well over 400 designs now. And uh, I traveled with about 300 and they've been great. So everything from Marvel, DC, Disney crossovers, uh, anime has been going through the roof. And um, yeah, I started this in 2016 just as, as doing fun sketches. Uh, for my kids in between assignments for Disney and, and other projects I was doing at the time. And uh, started out as a little hobby thing and now it's going full time. And so I still work for uh, Disney but as a contractor. Uh, so I'm currently working on the High School Musical, the series for Disney Plus. Uh, I'm currently working on season three. So when I'm done here at night, I go and work on that in my hotel room and then get a little bit of sleep and then I'm back again. A busy person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, Personally, I think it's it's great, but uh, why Stitch? I fell in love with Stitch. Uh, the first time I saw that movie, the movie in 2002, I cried, I laughed, I loved it. And then, um, you know, 
the the idea for the mashups of Stitch only only came to me just a few years ago, but I wish I'd done it, you know, 15 plus years ago because it's been really great, been helping my family out considerably. And uh, actually, two weeks ago in San Diego at the Comic Con there, uh, I got to hang out with uh, Chris Sanders, the creator and director and voice of Stitch, and he came in my booth and loved what I did, and I got a picture with him, and and uh, he, he approved, so I felt really good about that. And so it's been fantastic, and, and it's, it's really changed my life and, and my family's lives, and it's been wonderful. He's a great character. Everybody just loves and adores him. And, um, you know, internationally, I, I sell these prints internationally all over the world. So it's, it's been phenomenal. So that's wonderful. I'm extremely jealous that you can hang out with him. Did he talk like such when you were talking to him? No, he Aww, didn't, <laughs> unfortunately. Sad. But he's a very nice guy. He's at DreamWorks. He's been there for a number of years now, and, and they're treating him very well there. And, and uh, you know, he's doing good things. He's got some uh, really cool new projects in development there, too. Um, so it's been great. So um, a little experiment told us that you're uh, nominated for an Emmy. Uh, can, can you tell <laughs> us about that at all? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So I'm an animation producer as well. Uh, I worked on, uh, with a big team I had at the time, uh, the Aquabat Super Show. And uh, we produced all the animated segments for that, and we got nominated uh, for an Emmy for that. Uh, unfortunately, we did not win. We lost to R.L. Stein, so he is uh, my nemesis now. And no, <laughs> no, he's a he's very talented. I'm, I am very happy for all his success, but um, it would have been nice to have the the Emmy on my desk. But uh, he's got it. So. <laughs> Sorry to hear about that, but that's still really cool, though. Yeah. Um, so, other than Stitch, what is your preferred fandom? Ooh, um, I love I love comics. Uh, I love the X Men, um, things like that. I, I've dabbled in some other mashups that I may start uh, having appear next year. Uh, mashups between Pikachu or uh, Kung Fu Panda. I love Poe. I have a Dead Poe done, so it's Deadpool <laughs> Poe. I call him Dead Poe. And uh, it's really cute, and I have Poe with the uh, classic 90s X-Men, uh, and then I have a Pikachu as the uh, Terminator from T2. Um, so I'm going to dabble in some more, and if anybody's got ideas for more, please send them my way. I, I think it would be fun, because I just have fun making these. I have fun interacting with all the great fans and, and uh, selling them great stuff that they love and enjoy, and I love seeing the pictures that they, after they frame them and put them on their walls, I, I love seeing that. It's, it's, it just makes me happy. I love seeing that. <laughs> so one last question we usually ask, um, when you're not at a con, where can people find your artwork and uh, like get a hold of you? Yeah, so I'm on Etsy. Uh, the easiest address is stitchtoons, T-O-O-N-S, dot store. Uh, and I'm also on Etsy, and then uh, we've got a Shopify uh, store being built right now. My brother is helping me with that. My daughter, Emma, she has taken over my social media, and uh, she also does uh, some of the coloring for me on my prints, which is a lot of fun. She's a very talented artist, and she's helping me with a comic book that I'm working on now as well. Uh, so, yeah, stitchtunes.store, and um, also on Instagram, at stitchtunes. So there's, uh, oh, she also built a TikTok uh, for me too. So I think that's just under Stitch Tunes as well. And she built up like 1,500 followers in like just a week. So it was a lot of fun. That's impressive. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for talking to us. Uh, I hope you have a good con and have a <laughs> good day. It's been great. Thank you so much. Our last interview is with Blue Delaquanti, author and illustrator of graphic novels Oh Human Star, Meal, and the upcoming Across a Field of Starlight. 
we talked about their struggles putting together a weekly webcomic, uh, as well as how this is an exciting time, not only for queer comics, but for queer creators as well. Um, one of the good things about me taking so long to put this uh, special together is that I'm a lot further along with Oh Human Star than I was when we did this interview. Uh, this series uh, will tug at every emotion you have in the best way possible. Uh, so do yourself a favor and check it out. I am here with Blue Delaquanti, uh, who is a comic artist and writer of comics like Oh Human Star and Meal. Uh, Blue, how's your con going so far? It's been going all right. It's Saturday's off to a strong start. Awesome, awesome. So um, you recently finished Oh Human Star, which is the uh, with the third volume being released. Uh, what is this book about? This is about essentially an inventor who wakes up one morning to discover that he's now in a robot body and has been dead for 16 years. So he has to get his life back together. That is, that is awesome, and like I had told you, I, I picked up the first volume, and she did not pay me to say this, but get the first volume of this book. It is fantastic. <laughs> um, so another book that you're selling this weekend is called Meal. Yes. Uh, yesterday, when we were talking about it, uh, there was something that you told me that you make sure to tell everyone who's looking about it. So what's this like special thing about this book? It's about bugs, and it's about eating bugs. So... It's essentially a short graphic novel about a young chef who moves to town to try and get her dream job at a new restaurant that specializes in insect cuisine, which is something that I find really interesting. I love learning more about it. I made a like manga style like restaurant romance comic about it, but it's all about eating insects. That is a little gross, but yeah. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, you know, not everyone's into it. I've learned that. So I just say it up front and people can just move on. No hard feelings. <laughs> nice. So uh, you're also hyping your next book, which is coming out in, I believe, February of next year? Yeah. It's yeah. called Across the Field of Starlight. It's coming out from Random House's new graphic novel imprint. Uh, the way I've been describing it is it's a young adult space opera about a kid from a Star Wars-style society, lots of uh, fighting, lots of uh, resisting against an evil empire, uh, who accidentally becomes pen pals with a kid from a Star Trek-style society. Lots of curious scientific inquiry, keeping the peace, a totally different vibe. And so that is what I have been uh, promoting uh, for it to come out in a few months. Nice. Yeah, I, I am here for that. So how can people pre-order that? They can pre-order it through basically anywhere, uh, Amazon, other uh, online vendors, an indie bookstore of your choice. Uh, they should be able to pre-order it. Nice. Um, so, Oh Human Star, uh, it started as a daily webcomic. A uh, weekly webcomic. Week weekly, yep. I apologize. Um, so, how hard is it to get new comic uh, pages out on that kind of like regular schedule? It, it takes discipline. It's one of those things where I had to get into that commitment of... Uh, putting things out every single week. You know, some weeks were harder than others. And thankfully, I was in a right place, right time with my comic where my readership snowballed. So I started seeing feedback and, you know, like a, a genuine response to pages coming out. So that motivated me to finish it. You know, webcomics is one of those things where people will drop webcomics all the time and it's just kind of expected because you're often not the same person that you were when you started a webcomic when you were 22, when you are when you're 32. But I really started getting close to the end. I was like, I could actually do this. <laughs> so after eight years, I was able to complete the story. And I was really, it was a big, like, maturation for myself as a comic artist. Nice. So 
your comics feature um, LGBTQ main characters. Yeah. Uh, in your opinion, how important is it to feature these types of characters? I think it is a really exciting time for queer uh, comics, LGBTQ artists. Um, I think it's one of those things where it was just really difficult to get those kind of authentic stories in the traditional comics world. And now with online comics, web comics, uh, self-publishing mediums like Kickstarter, Patreon, where you can promote and distribute your work through uh, less standard channels, it's way easier and it's never been a more vibrant field for queer comics. It's awesome right now. Nice, nice. Um, now, I've only got a couple more questions for you because we are there are a ton of people walking by and everything. Yeah. Um, so was there a certain character or comic creator that got you into your passion? Oh, boy. Um, it kind of runs the gamut. So for context, early 2000s is when I started reading comics. I was really into Jonan Vasquez, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, and I was 11 years old. I thought that was the funniest stuff in the world. Um, I also came in during web comics, so I really like Hiromu Arakawa, who did uh, Full Metal Alchemist. I love Mike Mignola, who did Hellboy. Like, I got a lot of reference, like inspirations all from that time period, and it's from all over the place, but it was just a really fun mix that I kind of informed my style in a bunch of different ways. Nice. Uh, so last question. How can people find you online? Um, they can find me through my website, bluedelaquani.com. If you want to read the entirety of O Human Star, you can do so at O Human Star. That's just the letter O, humanstar.com. And just keep an eye out. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Tumblr. Um, it's not that hard to find me. There's not many Blue Delquanis out there. Awesome. Blue, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and have a great con. My pleasure. You Thanks. too. And that's a wrap on our interviews from 2021's C2E2. Uh, C2E2 2022, that's a lot of twos, uh, is going to be August 4th through the 6th uh, in Chicago, obviously. Why else would they, why would they have the Chicago Comics and Entertainment Expo in any city other than Chicago? But I digress. Uh, and we'll be at McCormick Place. Uh, we definitely hope to be back there uh, this year um, to do this all over again and to talk to some more awesome, awesome creators of any kind of geekdom or fandom that you can come up with. Uh, but that is going to do it for this episode of the, uh, the Geek Awakens. We'll be back later this week, but in the meantime, check us out on all of our social medias. Uh, we'll be posting a few things. Um, while you're there, uh, give some feedback. Tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. Any questions, comments, or concerns, then shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, from all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. Uh, this is normally where I'd say everybody say bye, but I'm the only person in this room.